Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for this podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We are a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything having to do with transformation in the church. Mary, how are you? Father John, I'm doing well. Awesome. We are very excited about getting ever closer to the great week, Holy Week, and I pray that our conversation today is going to bear some fruit as we... uh, both prepare for that and hopefully uh, tie into some conversations that some people have sent us back from some emails uh, after the series that we did, the conversation that we had about prayer, really. Huh? Yeah, I think so, it's going to be a very timely conversation around, so too. around a set of things that we really haven't talked about relative to prayer. So our conversation today is entitled, Here I Am, Lord, I Come to Do Your Will. Oh, no better lead into prayer than that. So let's Amen. pray in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this, uh, again, this great season that we're in, this time of grace, and especially as we draw ever closer to the wondrous events of Holy Week, the Great Week, most especially the day when everything changed, when death was defeated and sin was atoned for, the strong man was bound, and hope was given once again to the world. Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would bless, anoint, guide our conversation, that it would be uplifting, encouraging, and inspiring for those who are listening, especially for those who are tempted in one way or another not to trust your goodness. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to help us to know the Father evermore, to cry out deep within our hearts, Abba, to know him, to know his goodness, to know that we can bank on him and all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father John. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. So, Mary, we've had a, a, a couple of people, actually more than a couple of people, send in some emails that were very well received, appreciated the feedback from folks after we did the, the conversation really about praying into Lent and what's the greatest wound and what's the enemy's strategy and then how do I build a strategy. And some of the comments centered around everything from uh, people wanting us to talk about prayer in general to what do you do when prayers aren't answered to what if you don't hear anything to what if you don't get what you want, <laughs> which is how I would say it oftentimes too. It seems like it's a really timely conversation as we prepare for Holy Week. And, you know, maybe we can talk about three things a little bit here uh, right now. Prayer, surrender, and trust. Those are the things that, if there's three buckets to kind of categorize the feedback we got from people and and that are on my heart as I head into Holy Week too, or get ready for Holy Week, those are the, the ways to think about it. And I was thinking as we were preparing for this, my mom, God rest her soul, I hope she's uh, home with the Lord right now. If you're not, Lord, I just ask you to bring her home, uh, even as we're speaking. But she would write me all the time. We used to call them Thelma's epistles. She would write to me and to all my siblings and the grandkids and whatnot. And they were like reading Paul's letters. They were just rich with wisdom and insight. And yes, they were. I was privileged to receive a few of those um, when she was still with us. And those are treasured gifts. Yeah. And, you know, she was a mom. So moms have a way of just somehow getting insights into their children's lives, which of course, the children are unnerved by because they're like, how can you know that? Like, how do you know to say that now? So, you know, she would allude to struggles or failures or challenges, but, but they always, every single letter she wrote to me, 
She included her saying that she was praying for me again for the grace to utter today, yes, Lord, here I am. I come to do your, I come to do your will. Mm. And I was always struck by that. I mm. mean, every time I think of mom, I think of that expression. Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. And I was thinking just in lieu of what we want to talk about right now, that prayer is significant. It's, Lord, I come to do your will, not, Lord, will you please do my will? Which, if we're honest, I think is how most of us pray most of the time. Well, just as you were opening up the podcast, Father John, the experiences that, or the questions that our listeners have, their experiences in prayer, when prayer is not answered, um, when you don't get what you want, when you feel like you can't hear God, that's my experience. Mm. That's your experience. And to your point, we're going to the Lord with what we want. And I'm not always great about saying, but whatever you will, Lord. Yeah. And, 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 and that's a parenthetical that um, maybe we should press it and say, Lord, you no, know, this is what, this is the desire of my heart, but it's really what you want. And I think sometimes there's a hesitation, quite honestly, on a human level to go, but I don't really want to say that because I'm not quite sure that my prayer then will be answered the way I want it. Yeah, that, or that, That's a real leap of trust, I think, to pray that's that way. A, that's actually what I was going to say, because I think what's at the root of that, at least for me, right, if, if many of us are really honest, if we were afraid to pray that prayer, because even though I know this is not something I should say out loud, I'm just not absolutely confident that his will is for my good. Is better. Yeah, I think his will it involves pain and and I don't know that I can really trust him. That, that's, I think that's really at the heart of it for so many of us, right? Yeah, and you know, so, and, and as we talk about this, we're going almost all the way back to the beginning. What is our image of God? Mm. What is our image of the Father? Is our, is, is our Father image, is, there, is our Father image somehow distorted? And, and so that's maybe the first question. And maybe another question would be, what obstacle am I experiencing in my life that, that's keeping me from trusting him? Like, why am I fearful? Why am I afraid to trust him? Because I hear he's a very good father, but I'm not so sure I believe that. Yeah, in fact, I might even encourage people right now, hit stop right now and just linger with that question that Mary just posed. So really, just hit stop and take a minute, whatever you're doing, unless you're driving, um, and just take a second and say, okay, uh, just between you and God, the Father is or God is what? How do you describe him? What, what are the words you would use to describe God? Because I think that would be very revealing. I think you're right on. I think the, the image that we have of God is, and then, and then ask yourself, where did that come from? How, do, how did I get that? Um, and, and just let that be something like the fodder that for prayer for the week, because at the, what we really want to be able to do, right? We, we want to be able to grow in conformity to Jesus. And Jesus is, Jesus has one homily and his one homily is the father. Everything he's doing, everything he's saying is pointing to the father. When you see me, you see the father. Um, I, I do only what the father shows me, right? So the Lord is constantly making him known and it's not a good God and a bad God. Like Jesus is the good God. He's trying to appease the nasty father. No, 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 no. There's just God. And, when, and scripture says God is love. And that means the father is love. But deep down for so many of us, we were just with some folks last week. We heard a guy say that the, the fruit of the rescue project in his life is that now he actually believes 
God loves me. You Before know, that, he had heard the words, yeah. but he didn't believe it. Now he believes it. You know, when, when we heard this gentleman say that, it sounded so basic. And yet, it was the most profound thing he could have said. And if but all of us could actually say that, I now know that God loves me. Right. That's a huge revelation. And if you think about all the various things that we struggle with in our culture, a lack of love is at the root of so much of it. And if we knew who God was and we knew how madly he was in love with us, imagine the depth of healing that would happen in our lives and our families and our neighborhoods and our culture at large. Right. We were out in Denver a couple of months ago. I forget when exactly it was. We were doing a retreat for the teachers and the principals and the Lord had put on our minds, uh, that scene from the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. Remember that movie? Yes, with, with Will, Will Smith. Smith. Fabulous right? film. Yes. So true story. But anyway, there's this one scene in this movie where Will Smith, he's, he's trying to take care of his son and they're in some really dire situations. They're, you know, they've been evicted from their house. He doesn't have a job. He, maybe he's got a job, but he's, it's, it's very, uh, it's, he's not sure whether he's going to be able to keep it. He's out of money. He's just absolutely doing everything he can to not let his son know how how dire a predicament they're in. And they're spending the night one time in a train station or a bus station or a subway somewhere. And he keeps saying to his son over and over again, they're, they're trying to sleep one night and there's some nasty stuff going on not too far from where they are. And the, the father keeps saying to the son, can you hear me? Do you trust me? He just repeats that over and over again. Can you hear me? Do you trust me? And the son keeps saying yes. And I, I, ever since I saw that movie, however many years ago, like I hear Jesus say that from the cross or from the manger or from any moment in his life. It's like, especially in these events that we're about to get to right now, the celebration of the great week. Like that's what the Lord's saying to us. Can you hear me from the cross? Do you trust me? Because that, that's really the root, I think, knowing he loves me and then flowing from that love is, okay, the father is reliable. He knows what he's doing. He knows what's best. I don't have to be in a tug of war with him to try to prevail upon him. His will is better than my will, even though many times, if I'm honest, I don't really buy that. Because I can't see everything, right? I, I don't have an eternal perspective. I can't see everything. That That's something I wanted to maybe take us back to um, the film that you were describing. I can't remember for sure, but I thought that as um, the character played by Will Smith and his son, that, that, that there's some degree of separation between the son and himself, and he can no longer see his son. I think he's outside Correct. the door. Yeah. And so, so his son can't really see him yeah. anymore. But, he spe- but Will is speaking to his son behind another door. Can you hear me? Do you trust me? That's what happens. I thought it was such a powerful scene because this little boy can't see his dad anymore. And to your point, like we can't see... Like, like we want to physically just see the Lord right. the way that the disciples did. We want to see him, but we don't always see him in the way that we want to see him. We want to see him flesh and blood. As we're in our prayer chair, we want to see you sitting right next to us having a conversation. And so when we can't see him as we would like to see him, that that's a huge thing. Even though you can't see me, 
Do you still trust me? Yeah, and I think that's why praying with images is so helpful, most especially a crucifix. I mean, I know when you were sick, you would hold the crucifix. My dad used to mm-hmm. sleep with the crucifix in his hands. I often sleep with the crucifix. I mean, I can't, I can't see him face to face, but the power of images is, but I can see what it is he did for me. And that's what he's asking me to trust in. Right. I can see his love poured out. Right. Um, circling back, you know, many of you know that we just got back from the Holy Land and um, most of us came back quite sick with very little voice, very sick. And there was one day when we got back that I was really struggling to pray. I mean, I was actually too sick to sit up in bed. And I looked at this chair in our bedroom and I said, Lord, I'm so sick. I can't pray. I'm going to imagine you sitting in this chair right now or we're just going to have a conversation Mm. because that's about all I have in me. Mm. And so the conversation was very raw. Um, Just more or less about my inability to go to mass and be able to be with him present in the blessed sacrament. But I, so I just imagined him in that chair and him listening to me as we had this conversation and then allowing him to speak. And again, that's where our imaginations can help a little bit as we press into prayer. And, I, and God can handle, can handle all of our prayer. We, we, he can even handle us saying like, Lord, why have you not answered this particular prayer? I've been praying for years. Right. Why, Lord? Right. And he can handle that. He can handle that. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, I was thinking uh, as you were sh- sharing there, it makes me think back to the uh, the book. I think we've mentioned this book before, but Wilfred Stinnison, he's passed away now. He was a Carmelite. He's wrote it, written a number of books, but one of the books is entitled Into Your Hands, Father. Beautiful Which is book. A, a commentary, more or less a commentary or at least it's inspired by the prayer of abandonment by St. Charles de Foucauld, which I think is one of the toughest prayers to pray I've ever come across in my life. But Stinnison says, you know, if you were to, you, you can read all these books about, you know, if you really want to find a, live a serious Christian life, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And he makes the argument, if you, if you really want to boil everything down to like, what's discipleship looks like? Discipleship looks like surrender. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's Mary's life, and it's certainly Jesus's life. And he, in a very helpful way, at least I found it very helpful, he talks about three stages of surrender. You know, the first stage where you, you come to at least recognize everything that happens to me, even if God didn't actively will it, like he didn't, he didn't actively will for me to get abused, I don't think. But he, he allowed it. He allowed it. He permitted right? it. And, and Augustine would always say, he only allows evil that good can come of it. And I've seen that in my life. I mean, even just that, those incidents in my life, how God's used that for good. So the first stage is seeing everything is permitted by God as part of his will. The second and third stages come from like musical instruments. I love this next one. So the second phase is, so imagine you're a violinist and, and you get to the point where you realize, okay, I'm no longer going to play for my glory. I'm no longer going to play for accolades. I'm not going to play for applause. I want to play the violin for you, Lord. And that's that's this next stage. And some of us get there, you know, like where everything we do, we want to do for God. I'm going to be a physician. I'm going to do everything for God. All for his glory. I'm, yeah, I'm going to teach. I'm going to do it all for his right. glory. The third phase, which I don't know anybody that's got to, it's not maybe my mom, of heart. Um, is now you're the violin, not the violinist. And you just let God play you. You, that was you when, when uh, you went through the suffering that you went through. I know that's how you were living your life and you still continue to live your life many ways like that. That's a that's certainly that's the model, right? I mean, that's the goal I should say to get to. That's Jesus, Father. Just play through me. 
You know, that's our lady. Whatever you want to do to me, do, because I trust you. And that's what we're all called to do. And we can't do that on our own. Like that can only happen by the Holy Spirit really invading my life. I know, you know we talk a lot about the Holy Spirit in our work, trying to remind priests and lay leaders, you can have the best strategies, you can have great plans, you can, you can do all, this, all sorts of things, but absent Pentecost, nothing happens, you know? And I've, I've just gotten in the habit in my own prayer every morning of just begging the Holy Spirit, like, come and invade my mind, my memory, my imagination, my will, like, take possession of everything I have, because if you don't, I am going to go wacko today, you know? Yeah, nothing is possible without the Holy Spirit. I was who was I talking to recently, and they were um, they were talking about their spiritual life, and they said I've I've never really had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but it seems like you've had one like all your whole life. And I said, Oh my goodness, no! Uh, my relationship with the Holy Spirit just really evolved probably over the last 12, 12 13 years, maybe even more contemporary than that. And, and what it is, I heard a priest say this years ago, and I didn't forget it. He said, all day, every day, I leak the Holy Spirit, mm. which means I'm pouring, hopefully he's pouring himself out for others, but at the end of the day is nothing left, and it's so clear he needs mm. to be refilled again. Yeah, I love that image. And so what he does, he gets up the next morning, he says, Lord, fill me anew. Oh. Fill me to overflowing. Drench me. Drench my life, my heart, mind, body, and soul. All those areas of my life that are parched, and need to be saturated by your spirit. And it's only, to your point, Father John, absolutely is only by the spirit that we can do his will, that we can say those words, I surrender. Yeah, and what's the spirit cry out? I mean, in Romans and Galatians, Paul tells us that the spirit cries out, Abba. Abba. Right? We, when we were in the Holy Land, I, I love this, we were with Father Kelly in Magdala. Uh, Father Eamon Kelly, I think is his yes. name, right? Great guy in... Uh, he was saying how, you know, there's just a few places in the Gospels and then Paul's letters too where the Aramaic has been preserved. And it's, he says, you know, it's as if it left an audible impression on the brains of the disciples or of Paul that it was, it was so significant that even when they were translating into Greek, they didn't translate that like Talitha kum, right? Rise, little lamb, or uh, Ephatha, be opened, or Abba. They left them like, they all. They didn't translate it as the Holy Spirit cries mm-hmm. out, Father. No, the Holy Spirit cries out, Abba. Abba. Like, that's what Jesus called the Father, calls the Father. And the Spirit wants to cry that out from within us. And that, you know, we've, I think we've mentioned this once before. Uh, it, it, it's by all means a term of endearment, but it's so much more than something like daddy. It's a, it's a term of absolute confidence. It's the confidence that a child has when it like, it cries though that word and it knows, it knows its father will come and pick him up or pick her yeah. up. And that's what the spirit cries within us. Abba, like I can rely on you. I can count on you. You are sure. You are faithful. You are good. You are loving. You have my best interest in mind. You know what you're doing. And that's what we're asking uh, for ourselves Amen. in these final weeks and days of Lent that the spirit will do in us too, right? I think it's a, I think Abba is, a, is also a term of intimacy. I, I don't know about you, to your point. I mean, it doesn't just mean daddy, but I didn't call my, 
my dad, my earthly dad, father. Mm. I called him dad or I called him daddy. And there are moments in prayer when I've pressed in and I've used the term Abba because what it does for me, it reorients me as, to your point, as a child. It it implies that I know you know me and I want to know you. Yeah. So that language matters. I thought that was a great point, Father Kelly. And Jesus says what? That we have to become like children. Children. And what are children? Children know that they're absolutely in need. And that I'm safe in your care. Right. Please God they do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and that's what we're asking God to correct in us in these days right now. Because we, we, if we're honest, we don't know that. That's what Jesus wants to show us from the cross. That's what Jesus wants. It's almost like, you know, as we walk through the events shortly in Holy Week, you go some of those plays, you know, where sometimes it just stops and the character steps out on the mm-hmm. stage and speaks to the audience. Right. Like that's what Jesus wants to do in these days. He wants oh, to just great. stop in the Garden of Gethsemane and step out and start speaking to you and to me very personally and individually. Like, do you see what I'm doing? Do you see that the Father and I and the Spirit, we arrange this for your salvation, for your rescue from hell. You can trust us. And then he goes back into the scene. He goes back doing what he's doing. And he steps out from the cross or from the scourging. Like, this is, we're doing this for you. You can trust us. Yeah. This is who you're talking to when you pray, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's beautiful, Father John. But of course, we, we don't always see that right now. I mean, we, we, we don't see everything. We were talking about the eternal perspective and we don't have one now. We, we think we know what's best. And if God would just do what we want, everything would be great. And of course, that. We know that's not true, but we still think that way sometimes. And but when we get home, oh. you, you often say, like, when we get home, we won't have any more questions. Like, it, it'll right. all make sense. And, and our response will be, oh, my gosh, of course. Of course you did. You had to do that that way. Right. Or, of course, like, like all of a sudden, everything makes sense. It's like you often talk about that tapestry being in front of the tapestry and behind the tapestry being, you know, all these, you know, all these threads that are hanging loose that don't make sense. Or it's like a puzzle piece. And all of a sudden, you know, God willing, by his grace, by his mercy, by his providence and his love, we stand in his presence one day. And the puzzle will just be all put together. And we won't even care to ask. Right. You know, or or so we pray. Jesus says, "On that day, you will you will have you will ask me no questions." Mm. On, on that day, that day. <laughs> In the meantime, mm. I have That's a ton right. of questions. Yeah, right. But you got a, a good word and exhortation for us as we wrap this up. In the meantime, yeah. You know, um, I was thinking about um, you were talking about how um, God permits all things. God can use all things for his purposes. And just like he used some painful moments in your life, he's used some uh, challenging moments in my life. And um, when I was uh, going through cancer treatment for something like, I think it was like almost a year and a half. And uh, the Lord taught me a lot in that time frame. And one of the things he, he taught me was, um, it was about forgiveness. That was just a real stronghold in my life. And, and I'll never forget the word he gave me. And it was forgive everybody, everything, all the time, no matter what. Mm. And the ripple effect of that to free me from that, that stronghold has just been um, so beautiful uh, in my life. And I was thinking about prayer 
as you and I were just getting ready to record. And I thought, couldn't we just apply that same mindset, that same wisdom from the Father in prayer that regardless of what happens in our prayer, pray for everything, Mm. pray for anything, pray all the time, no matter what, because just as we can get free from unforgiveness, God wants to free us in this prayer to grow in trust, to grow in surrender, to grow and come to know that he is good and that he is faithful and that he has our best interests in mind. So no matter what answers you receive or don't receive in prayer, we can trust that the Father hears us and he's going to bring it about to a grander purpose than we could ever imagine. And I'm still praying for things, uh, praying for people, praying for circumstances and I have yet to see answers to my prayer but I'm not giving up that's right because the enemy's temptation to each and every one of us is to simply stop praying or to fall prey to the lie that God is not good and that he can't be trusted but remember those are lies that's who he is he's the father of lies and he lies most especially about God and God's identity but because God is good and you can trust him do not be afraid he's with you and you were born for this 